Hello, hello! I am Ashley Caldill, Assistant Director of Online Learning at the School of Education and Human Development at the University of Virginia. And welcome to Designed for Online. In this podcast, we will be discussing hot topics around online teaching and learning. We'll be posting new episodes the second Tuesday of every month, so be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out. For some instructors and students, creating meaningful relationships at a distance can be quite challenging. Throw in the additional stress and anxiety from the COVID-19 pandemic, it can be even more difficult to cultivate a meaningful relationship at a distance, especially when so many of us have been used to fostering relationships face-to-face. In this episode, I am joined by Audley Austin, who is an Associate Professor of Education at the University of Virginia, and who has also been teaching online for over a decade. Listen in as we discuss her experiences creating meaningful relationships with her online students. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Designed for Online podcast. Today, I have with me my friend and colleague, Audley Austin. Welcome, Audley. Thank you for inviting me on, Ashley. Of course. I'm so excited to talk with you today. But before we get started, can you briefly introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So I've been teaching at the University of Virginia for about 24 years now. I work with the Reading Education Program, and I'm also currently working with the CNI EDS Program um, and CNI MED Program. So three programs I work with. But when I first started designing online courses, it was for the Reading Master's degree. And um, like I said, the first course I uh, taught online was in the year 2000. Since I've been teaching online, we've gone through four different learning management systems. So Canvas is my fourth one that I'm working on. And um, I've made some changes in the way I teach online over the years. Some some things are still the same, but I've I've certainly um, evolved over the years and have uh, many iterations of the way I design my courses. Wow. Thanks so much for introducing yourself. You, as you referenced, you're somebody who I call an online teaching veteran, (laughs) as you have been teaching for online for many, many years, as you have referenced. So I like to think that you know all the tips and tricks on how to do so successfully. And I know that you're successful because I've worked with you in designing your courses and see all your amazing evaluations from your students. And so my question to you is, What has it been like to be an online instructor for all of these years? I know that you said you've already been through four different learning management systems, so that's a lot. But how is it different now compared to when you first started teaching online? More of the teaching aspect, or you can even talk about the learning management system shift. Yeah, so I would say, you know, obviously when when I was new at it, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, quite honestly. You know, I was making my best effort. Um, I've been extremely fortunate to always have worked with an instructional designer. So all those years ago when we designed our first class, I actually worked with an instructional designer who was dedicated to the reading program area and helped us design um, courses as well as all the um, professional development offerings that we had at that point in time. Um, So I think working with an instructional designer made a significant difference for me in just how to set up a course, 
Um, and she taught me a lot about just the importance of interactions with students and communication and making sure that students know where to find things and um, they know what's expected of them and that they have just clear guidance uh, throughout the course from week to week. So I think that's one piece that's that's been really important right from the start. And I feel like I had a tremendous advantage because of that. Um, I would say over time, the learning management systems that we've used have gotten much better. Um, the very first ones didn't have as many um, tools in them to help with just a lot of the different management pieces. Um, I think it's much easier to build an online course at this point. Um, and there's just much better tools for interacting with students that are embedded within the course as well. What else, Ashley? <laughs> no, um, I think you answered all of the questions. One thing I didn't realize is that you have worked with another instructional designer that yeah. hasn't been me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I have worked on, I'm not sure, how many courses have we worked on together? It's been a few. I would say four or five at least. Yeah, probably five. Wow. Yes. So I we've worked together quite extensively. <laughs> well, in another life, I want to be an instructional designer, quite truthfully. So <laughs> Hey, I'm saying at this point, you know, all the tips and tricks, not only from the teaching aspect, but instructional designer, mm -hmm. I'm telling you. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about, cause you talked about when you have been working, kind of learning the ways to like interact with students and making your presence known. And so I want to talk a little bit about that aspect, because when I was an online student getting my master's, I had a couple asynchronous online courses. And most of the communication I ever heard from the instructor was just through text, whether it was an announcement or just text on a page. So I never got to actually see or hear my instructor's voice. And that made it really hard for me to even connect with them because I didn't get to see their mannerisms. And when they sent me a message, I was like, is this a joke? Like, are you sarcastic? I didn't really know. So as an instructor who teaches asynchronously online, what is your process or strategy when you introduce yourself to the class for the first time? And has that changed over your years of teaching online? Yeah, so that's definitely changed because when we first started out, we didn't have the regular video options that we have today that were embedded within the course. So if we did a video, it was like a link that went to a video and usually that had to be more polished and, and prepared in advance. So originally everything was in writing and then I can't remember the exact year, but eventually over time, uh, we had the option to do like video interactions. And certainly um, we used a different tool before Zoom and I'm not thinking of what it was, but anyway, you know, of course now everyone uses Zoom and they're very familiar with it. Um, as soon as we had the option of using video more interactively for um, virtual meetings, I did add that element to my course. And so I, at this point, I do two things, two main things, and I've been doing this for a number of years. I always record some kind of introduction video for the course. I introduce myself. I give sort of a, just a brief overview of the class. These videos are short. They're usually about seven minutes long at the most. Um, and it's an introduction to me, 
what we're going to be doing in the course and just a brief overview of how the course is set up and how I'll run it. Um, and then I always do a meet and greet um, on the first week of class. Usually it's just like a short half hour, you know, pop in and say hello. I'll answer any questions you have. Um, and then I set up regular Zoom meetings for my classes, usually three or four per semester. I always have it the minor typically on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. And um, they're always optional for students. And if they can't do the Zoom meeting, they can do the written discussion board. But by doing that, it gives my students a chance to check in with me, be a part of a class discussion. Um, and many students do. You know, it, it varies from semester to semester. Some semesters, everyone wants to do the Zoom meeting. Other semesters, I have, I have people who are all over the world and can't do particular times. Um, or have busy lives, and so they prefer the written discussion board, and that's fine. You know, they always have the, that option. I think another nice um, tool for my students is I give them the option for some weeks to meet in their small groups using Zoom, so then they also get to know each other as well um, in that format. Um, but those are just a few ways that I use video, but I definitely use a mix of both video and written discussion options. And then I always communicate with my students through announcements and send out an announcement every Friday, wrapping up the week and then looking ahead to the next week. And then of course, if there's other things that come up during the week, I'll send out an, an announcement as well. I really love that you were discussing how you have synchronous opportunities for our asynchronous students or the asynchronous course. And I enjoyed that you meet from seven to eight at night because I have some instructors that have a lot of our online students. And I want to emphasize that our average age for our online student, I believe, is like 37 years old. So a lot of them are working professionals or their caregivers, things like that. And so being able to meet your students when seven to eight, it might not be ideal for you, but it's ideal for the students. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure they appreciate that opportunity to be able to connect not only with you, but with other students and giving that opportunity. So I applaud you for meeting uh, that need. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I think one of the ways that makes an online class most successful is being sensitive to the adult learners that we're working with, because just as you said, uh, the majority of our students are working adults who, you know, are working full time, have families, have extracurricular activities and all sorts of things. So, yeah, I find doing the 7 p.m. meeting time usually works fairly well for most people. And then I alternate. So since I typically teach three courses a semester, I'll meet with one class one Wednesday, the next class, and I just rotate through my classes so Wednesday, 7 to 8 p.m. is sort of a fixed time for me. And then I just rotate through my classes from week to week. That's awesome. So now I'm going to ask you about the student side of introductions, because most, if not all, of the courses that I've helped design start the year with some sort of introduction activity or icebreaker for students to get to know each other. So... I heard you talk about kind of the synchronous meetings, but do you have any other activities or things that you do to allow students to introduce themselves to each other so they can start interacting with one another? 
Yeah. So like, of course, this is our first week. So they're introducing themselves. So I always, I set up a discussion board for the introductions. I always give them the option of either doing a written introduction or they can do um, a video and upload a video and that's fine. They can do either one. Um, I always encourage them to include some pictures and I always get the, the discussion board started. So I typically do a written one. I'll include a little bit about myself and, you know, some personal things about, you know, my interests, my family include some pictures from a recent vacation or something like that. And so it sets the stage for students to kind of follow suit. So I encourage them to share a little bit about, you know, their own experiences and where they're coming from as a teacher, their personal lives, their interests, hobbies, um, something that they would want to share about themselves. And so, Again, they can do that either as a written discussion or a video. And of course, they end up getting both from me because I always, you know, do a video as the overview for the course. But then in the discussion board, I do the written piece. So um, they do both. And so um, I find I teach uh, one class in particular where it's towards the end of the degree program and always by that course. Um, most of the class already knows each other. And it's always fun to see the things they share about recent events. And, you know, they have real conversations with each other because they've been in classes um, for several classes and, you know, several semesters. So they really do get to know each other. It's funny that you bring that up because when I was a student, we were like in a cohort together. And then the very last class we took together was like an about me, like video that we had to do. And we found out somebody in our class had a twin sister that nobody knew because she never referenced it. And so she was like, I think she had like an old home video where like the camera zoomed in on like her as a baby and then it zooms out and there's like two of them. And we were like, how did we not know this about you? We've been together so long. So it's so interesting what people disclose at what time as -hmm. you go throughout a semester. So no, I appreciate that. As much as I'm enjoying this conversation, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna dive into if Audley has any tried and true tools or resources she has used to help her build relationships with her online students. Hello everyone. I hope you're enjoying the conversation. I wanted to take a moment to give you a little bit of a brain break by presenting this episode's trivia question. What is the deadliest insect? Curious what the answer is? Be sure to tune into our next episode to find out. And we're back. So before the break, we talked a little bit about essentially what you did to get your students familiar with you and including teacher presence in your online course. So now I want to switch gears a little bit. Even though online learning has been around for quite some time now, I feel like there's still some people that don't understand how teaching asynchronously online can lead to meaningful relationships with students just because there's that distance between you two physically. And so... I'm curious, you as, what I say, a veteran, asynchronous online instructor, in your experience, do you notice an impact on your connections with your students, whether you meet with them synchronously having your camera on, or if you're just communicating with them via email, do you notice a difference in your connections? Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think it does make a, a difference when students can see you. Um, and I'd have to sort of go back in time in my mind to think about when I was not using video to really think about that. And even though I made connections with students before we used video in that way, I definitely see greater connections with students now using, you know, video as an option and turning on cameras and all that. Yeah, I think it definitely has a significant impact. Why do you think that is? Because I've been thinking that too, that when the pandemic first started and we were all on Zoom, I felt like it was different almost being in person, like when I was meeting with these people in person versus being on Zoom, because when you're physically together in an office space, you can you only see so much of that person. But when you see them inside their home, you see artwork on the wall. You, I don't know about you, but my children, whenever they were sick, they always interrupted Zoom meetings. I'm sure you've seen them multiple times. <laughs> or like cats walking across the keyboard. And it gives you like a glimpse into their personal lives in a way um, that they're obviously willing to share. So I'm curious, do you feel when you had classes that you maybe met a student in person versus on Zoom, does that connection feel any different mm. because you see them in their own element? Yeah, that, that's a great observation. Um, I was, because I know you had shared with me some of the questions that you were going to ask. And when I was thinking about the difference between in-person versus synchronous online versus asynchronous online, I was thinking, you know, in person, I it was always easier to sort of connect to people and get to know them because you're, like you said, you're in the same space. Um, and and I, I think it's just easier for people to approach you, like if it's during a break or students are working in small groups. And it's it's just because you're circulating, you're talking to people. It, it's easier to connect with more people when you're in the same room together. But I do think you're onto something about, you know, being invited into people's personal space over Zoom. And I think the pandemic sort of fast-tracked us to help people be more comfortable with that um, because it was all at once, um, you know, you're doing a lot of Zoom. Mm -hmm. Whereas before people might've been a little more hesitant about turning on cameras and now it's, you know, second nature. It's like walking in a regular physical classroom. So, but I do think you're right that when we're seeing people in their homes and um, like you said, the pets or kids or whatever it is, um, people are sharing a little bit more about themselves and it, it becomes a little more personalized um, having that connection. But I, I, I definitely think turning a camera on and being able to see someone makes a big difference compared to just working in a written space. Yes, I think I would agree with that. There's definitely something about being able to see someone's mannerisms and facial expressions and things like that that can really help build connections, a really strong connection. And so as we're talking about being able to see students in this space, something that I'm super curious about with you is if you are a synchronous teacher and you get to see people or even an in-person instructor, you can visibly see if a student is upset or if something's wrong because you're just so used to connecting and being able to engage with them. So when you are teaching asynchronously and students are all over the country or even realistically all over the world, 
how do you check in with those students to make sure that everybody's doing okay or do they need additional assistance? How do you ensure that they know that you're there if they have any issues or any questions? Yeah, so I think um, there's a few sort of groundwork pieces that I think an, an instructor can have in place that will make the difference so that you can better keep tabs on your students in the long run. So I think being um, being responsive to students, so when they have questions or anything like that, responding in a timely fashion really makes a difference instead of, you know, you don't want to make them wait for days. Um, I always tell my students, because there's always a place for questions, um, if I don't answer your question and I miss it, just email me because I know I'm always going to check email. And sometimes I can miss those question board questions. So they know to email me and they know they're going to get a response from me typically within hours, you know, as long as it's not in the middle of the night. Um, So being responsive is really important. Letting your students know that you're available to them. So all the time, I'm always telling them, you know, if you need office hours or if you have questions about things, just let me know. I'm happy to schedule an appointment over Zoom or phone, whatever you need. Um, And then I think flexibility is also an important piece is letting students know that, you know, I know they're adult learners. Um, Like I said, many of them have families and extracurricular activities or are caregivers for older family members. So they, I always tell them, if you have something that comes up, let me know. I'm more than willing to work with you, give you an extension. So I think having those pieces in place um, lets my students know that I am sensitive to their needs as an adult learner. Um, and I want to be there for them. So I think it makes it a lot easier if I feel like someone's not keeping up or there might be an issue. Um, I'll reach out over email. If I don't get a response, I'll go to student services and get a phone number and I'll call and leave a message. Um, but I have found it's it's very rare for a student to just sort of drop out and disappear and and not respond when I reach out to them. You know, typically they do. Occasionally it has happened where they just don't respond at all. And usually it's because there is some significant issue. And then usually they end up withdrawing from the class. So, um, but I think just, you know, that, like I said, that early groundwork of being responsive, being available to students and uh, being flexible sets the stage so that they know you're there for them and you're going to sort of be there um, if they have questions or if something's not going well for them, or even if they have questions about grading and assignments and, you know, whatever it happens to be. Well, that's a great segue into my last question I have for you. You've already talked about some of the strategies that you do to help build these relationships with your students and set that groundwork. Do you have any other tried and true tools or resources that really help you build relationships with your students or with each other, even when they are at a distance? Yeah. So actually I was thinking about how they, you know, the things I build into the class to help them build relationships with each other. Um, and I think there's, there's a few things that come to mind for that. So one is when I, I always put them in smaller groups for their discussions instead of a whole class discussion board, because if you have 24 students, it's just overwhelming and unwieldy, you know, um, and it's, it's too much for students. So I always put them in small discussion groups, 
depending on the size of the class, usually um, anywhere from four to six in a group. And I usually leave them in the same group for two to three weeks. So they kind of get to know each other that way. And then I'll change up the groups. Um, another thing, of course, is doing the Zoom meetings. And then when I do the Zoom meetings, I always do smaller breakout sessions within those Zoom meetings where they either work on a task together and then report back where they have certain discussion prompts related to the readings or something like that, that they discuss and then report back. So that's another way that they have more small group interaction. Um, sometimes I'll build in a small group project for the week where they have some specific doable task project that they're working on anywhere with like um, three to four people in the group. And then they have to produce a final product by the end of the week that then they share that with the class. So that's a nice way for students to work together and then see each other's work. And then peer reviews, that's another way where I pair up students and they have to provide each other with feedback on a particular assignment or task. Um, and so that's another way that they better get to know each other. So I think those are some really easy instructional strategies to use to just give students a better better opportunities to get to know each other, work with each other, um, and, and build a sense of community within a course. No, I think all of those tips and tricks that you just provided are really awesome. And I know that they've been successful because like we've said earlier, we've worked together in so many courses. So that's really great. But those are all of my questions. I wanted to thank you so much for having this great conversation with me. I know our listeners have learned so much about ways that they can start building meaningful relationships with their students, even at a distance. So well, great. You. It was fun chatting with you today. Thanks for inviting me, Ashley. And that concludes this episode of Designed for Online. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation about how you can teach an online environment and still create those meaningful relationships with students that we all strive for. Fostering relationships with your students can help them feel connected, supported, lead to higher engagement, and in turn lead to better academic outcomes. Even though it may not be easy at first, don't give up. It will be worth it in the end. If you have an exciting topic you want to hear on future Designed for Online episodes, feel free to email me at ac8ga at virginia.edu. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.